Hey everybody, welcome back this week as we walk through the Word together. And as we walk out this truth, we discover that life is produced in us and also in other people. We are walking with one another, growing together to see the life of Christ continue to manifest and birth in us and then to see it spread outside of the walls of our houses and our church building. Tonight, um, we're going to wrap up a series that we've been in on rest. And the series uh, has, has been about kind of taking a soul vacation and just chilling out, relaxing, and uh, really stepping into this rest that Jesus gives us. And I don't know about you guys, but uh, most of the time, I hate for a vacation to end. Um, I, I love vacation. And by the end of the week, you know, we're saying things like, hey, do you think Midtown wants to do a church plan at the beach? You know, like, do you think, do you think we could move here? Do you think we could like, ha- like do this another week? Um, but, but vacations are, are a whole lot of fun. But there's, there's one vacation in particular um, that sticks out in my mind uh, because of really everything that went wrong. Um, and it was my honeymoon. Okay. So, uh, you know, your whole life, like, especially as you start to think about getting married, your, your honeymoon is like this pinnacle vacation. It's going to be superior to all vacations. And uh, for Danielle and I, we were headed down to Florida and we got down to Florida and uh, this was in 2007. Cell phone cameras were awful at that time. We had an LG Envy, you know what I'm talking about? Anybody have an LG Envy? All right, that shows your age. Okay. So, no, it's funny. So I guess the fact that we had cell phones, I guess we're still young, right? So anyway, at that point, um, so cameras were awful. So we decided we're going to go buy us a, uh, a nice little pocket camera, you know, spent $350 on like this 10 megapixel camera and, uh, you know, our cell phones blow them away now. But anyway, got the camera, took some pictures, had a great time up until like midweek. Um, and, uh, and the camera will make sense in a second. So Wait, driving down the road, we go and make a U-turn. Um, and where there should have been a storm grate, there was nothing. There was just a big hole. And uh, my tire dropped down into that hole, and it peeled my wheel up, and I had a blowout right there. So I'm like, good night. So I had to go. Not only do I destroy my tire, but also my wheel. I had to take the spare tire, go get a, a new tire put on it so we can make it back home from Florida. So that was, uh, you know, our, our, you know, kind of we're veering off course number one. All right, so the second thing that happens is this awesome camera that we got got stolen out of Daniel's purse at the end of the week with all of our pictures that we'd taken and all these memories that we were gonna have and all this stuff. Um, So that gets stolen as we're leaving, as we're going down the elevator. So we're on the way home, we're driving home, and we think, all right, man, I'm just, I'm kind of ready to get back home. Like, maybe we can, you know, turn this thing around. And, uh, you know, we get, uh, we're somewhere in, I think in South Carolina at that time, I can't remember. Um, it was one of the states between here and Florida. And uh, a car pulls out from the, uh, the emergency lane, just into, into the traffic. And I mean, we're, we're booking it down the road, you know? I mean, we're, we're going 70 miles an hour and it just decides to come right out. And uh, there's this massive pileup. It was like Daytona 500, just cars going everywhere. And we were one of them and I totaled my vehicle. And so our dads came and picked us up from our honeymoon. So that vacation, I say all that to say that vacation was one that I was like, man, I don't want to repeat this again. But it takes those crazy vacations and it takes those times that are really, um, I guess, uneventful or not uneventful. It's full of events, but not what you hoped it would be to then put you on the course to sit here and say, hey, what do I really want when I say I want a vacation? Because the reality is this. We all like to go on a vacation, but I think there's one thing that we're really looking to find. 
And I really believe with every vacation, we're hoping to just find some peace. We want some quiet, you know? That's why maybe your husband or your wife, depending on how you're wired, your husband or your wife is like, hey, listen, will you just put your phone up? Hey, hey will you just slow down? Like, can we just chill? We don't have to get there. Like, it's only gonna save like five minutes if you just go the speed limit, you know? Whatever. You might hear all these different things, but the reality is this. Our expectation of vacation is that it's peaceful. And as we begin to think about peace, um, I, I believe that in light of eternity, a lot of us, um, we know what peace means in, in the sense of like, we want world peace, right? Like we want, we want to be on the same like, like level. We don't be fighting one another. We, we use peace in that sense. But what Jesus says is that he's going to give us a peace that's totally different than all that. Um, it's, it's a peace beyond just the, the physical world that we live in. It's a, it's a supernatural peace. And he actually says that this is available to you all the time. And so tonight, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about really kind of that, that place you get at the end of vacation when you're like, man, I wish this peace would just stick with me. I, I don't want to go back to the stress. I don't want to go back to the anxiety. I want that peace that's just going to stick with me for life. Hey, that's what Jesus gives to us. And so tonight, we're going we're gonna to really address this with one major question. How can I experience the perfect peace of God today that doesn't ever have to leave? Because that's the truth of what Jesus tells us. There is peace available to you today, and you never have to leave it. All right? So let's do this. So last week, um, Christy and Jay, they uh, talked from Philippians chapter 4, and they talked about anxiety. Y'all remember that? There were some really good points made from that message. At the end of, of, of the message, though, that they were sharing of the scripture, it says this. This is in Philippians 4, uh, verses 6 through 7. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and mind as you live in Christ Jesus. There's something that this passage says that for me, it draws me in um, in a really, really cool way because I, I don't know about you guys, but my life so many times is not marked by peace. So many times when I, when I read this passage, I'm like, man, I wish I had that peace. And what's been occurring to me is that I actually do have that peace, okay? And here's what he says here. It says, don't worry about anything. It said, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for what he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So his peace exceeds what we can understand, and it guards our hearts and minds. Now, here's the deal. For something to exceed what we can understand, for us to have access to that kind of peace, it's going to have to be peace beyond what we can think up. The problem is in the midst of our anxiety, our fear, whatever negative emotion you want to insert there, what you begin to do is think, well, God says he gives me peace. I need peace to come in my head. And you're trying to recall and make peace happen in your mind. And, but that's not the way it says it's going to happen. What the word says is that through your prayers, through your trusting in Jesus, you're going to have access to peace that surpasses what you can understand. That means it's going to come something from something beyond your mind. And it's going to guard your heart and your mind. Now, for something to guard your heart and your mind, when we go to battle, right, when we send military out, 
um, we don't give them more skin to cover them. We give them Kevlar. We give them something that's bulletproof. We give them armored, you know, machines to run around in. You know, we don't just send them out with a little bit more skin. And the point is, is that if we're going to protect the flesh, we've got to have something stronger than the flesh. If we're going to protect the mind, we've got to have something stronger than the mind to guard it. It's going to have to be beyond the natural, be beyond what we can think of. It's going to have to be from God. So what that means is, is the peace of God is not something that we're actually going to think up. It's something for us to receive. And so the thing that's really paramount for us to understand how to experience uh, peace in our life is for us to realize that peace is not something we can actually generate in ourselves. It's something that we must receive. So as the apostle Paul was writing this to the church, there's actually something that was influencing him. Okay, and uh, when you read in your Bible, I don't know if you ever noticed this before, but you've got these little bitty letters, especially like if you're reading from a paper Bible, um, which a lot of us don't do anymore. But depending on your Bible, you'll have these little, little superscript letters, this, these, these footnotes, and what those refer to are cross-references, okay? So just if you wanna take your, your Bible study to the next level, follow the trail of those little letters, see where that leads you, because what that's gonna do is show you other passages that support that same idea. The Apostle Paul was someone who was well-educated in the Old Testament. He knew the Old Testament prophets. And the Apostle Paul loved to uh, teach out of Isaiah. What he was teaching us here in Philippians 4, and what we're going to spend the remainder of our time in today, is Isaiah chapter 26. So if you got your Bible tonight and you want to get prepped, ready to go, we're in Isaiah chapter 26. Now let me give you a little bit of context of what's happening in Isaiah. So at this time, all right, the, the, the people that um, Isaiah is writing to, God's chosen people, um, they had experienced uh, some, some, some hurt, right? They hadn't won every battle. Um, in fact, they were at a place where he's saying, hey, listen, will you just wash your hands, make yourself clean? Like the worship that you're coming and bringing to me is actually not from your heart. And I'm tired of hearing your songs. Like these things start happening in the Bible. Um, these God's chosen people um, weren't acting like God's chosen people all the time. And so this is really a message of grace and encouragement to them about the future kingdom. So in the first verse here, it talks about in that day, okay? And it's referring to the day of the Lord or the future coming of Christ. And what Isaiah is doing in Isaiah chapter 26 and 27, if you want to keep reading, what he's doing here is he's telling them the promise of the kingdom that they can expect. He's giving them encouragement saying, when the Lord establishes his kingdom, his eternal kingdom, this is what it's going to be like. And it's going to contrast the kingdom that you're in right now. Your kingdom right now has experienced defeat, but his is going to be something far different. Okay? So, so you know that. Let's start to read here and see what the word says. Okay. So Isaiah chapter 26, verse 1. In that day, everyone in the land of Judah will sing this song. Our city is strong. We are surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Open the gates to all who are righteous, Allow the faithful to enter. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. As we begin to ask this question and look for an answer, how can I experience the perfect peace of God today? Um, I believe we begin to find the answer to that in this passage so let's start with the first thing he says here. Our city is strong. We are surrounded by the walls of God's 
salvation. What he's saying is this. In the future, you're going to experience this kingdom that is established by Jesus. Now know this, guys. When we talk about we are a part of a kingdom movement, growing together by loving God and loving the world, we talk about that kingdom movement here at Midtown. What we're talking about is the kingdom that Jesus established. Jesus set up this kingdom. So I want you to know that today, this took place far, like, 700, 800 years before Jesus, okay? This letter was written, or not letter, but this, this address was given to these people, okay? It was a prophecy about what was going to happen. We are existing, and we're beginning to experience this. We have access to what this is talking about right now through Christ Jesus. So I want you to know that. As we look at a book in the Old Testament, it is very relevant to today. Isaiah talks a lot about the Messiah, about Jesus, what is coming, okay? So, for us, what he's talking about is this new kingdom that is being established is a strong city as opposed to their weak city that had been invaded, that had experienced defeat. So our city is strong. But here's what makes the city strong, and this is what's crucial to us tonight. What makes the city strong is that it's surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. A kingdom is as strong as its walls are, okay? If you got weak walls, you got a weak kingdom. All right? If you got strong walls, you got a strong kingdom because that's going to depend on whether or not the enemy can penetrate it or not. So the hope that he is giving us tonight is this. Listen, the kingdom that Jesus is establishing for you is one that is like a strong city. You're going to be protected by the walls of God's salvation. You're going to be protected by salvation. It will be what takes care of you. It will be what protects you, okay? Now, here's the struggle with us, and here's the struggle with our anxiety, with fears, with depression, with addictions, all that. It starts like this. We sit here and we think, man, I got I to gotta gain control of my life. My life's out of control. I got to build my kingdom. My kingdom's falling apart, and so you begin to work. You begin to set these goals in your life. And you say, this is what I'm going to build. This is what I'm going to accomplish. And you start to work really hard at it. In fact, you start to work overtime at this thing, building this kingdom for yourself, trying to be Lord of the kingdom, because honestly, that's what we really, really want. When you look at the fall, when you look at the very beginning of the Bible, when Adam and Eve sinned, here's what happened. Ultimately, they were tempted and they wanted to be like God. They wanted to have God-like wisdom. They wanted to be in control of their kingdom. And that was what actually waged war against God. So here's man trying to build their kingdom. We've always been obsessed with building kingdoms, building things for ourselves, for our own glory, our own gratification. But as we go and we like this place of being Lord of the kingdom, honestly, what is produced from that is anxiety because we start realizing, hey, listen, man, my goal that I hope to achieve, I'm not actually achieving it. And the thing that I was working for, it's not working out, so now I'm depressed because my expectation of life and what I thought my kingdom was gonna be like, it's actually not. And we continue down that road and we're like, well, I, got, I don't have peace in my kingdom at all, so I gotta medicate with something. And that's where the addictions come in. And you get to this place where you're like, man, my plans aren't working out, I'm angry. And there's all these different negative emotions that mark people that are trying to build and lead their own kingdom. But what Jesus offers to us is a surrender of our kingdom for his. That's why when you look and you see how we actually receive salvation, it's by confessing that Jesus is Lord. 
The biggest decision we can make in our life is to forsake our kingdom and forsake being our own Lord and say, Jesus, I want you as Lord. And when Jesus is Lord, we can actually trust the walls that he's built around his kingdom that they're not gonna fall because they're built on his salvation. So as we continue to process that and this kind of downward spiral that happens in our mind, here's what Jesus offers us. He offers us peace. And we can have peace in his kingdom because we don't have to fear about the biggest thing. The biggest thing that most people are afraid of is death. There's that saying, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die, right? That's what we're afraid of. Nobody wants to experience death. But there's no fear in death whenever your life is eternal because you're protected by the wall of salvation. So that's the encouragement that he begins to give. There's a story of a guy, his name's Tom uh, Yoder. Tom Yoder, he worked for the Peace Corps in Africa. He spent six months there. He was trying to build a relationship with these people. He went there with great motives. He wanted to serve them. He wanted to help them. He was doing a lot of humanitarian work there. And uh, one day, um, about six months in, this little kid runs up to him. He said, hey, listen, there's a family over there in that house, and, uh, and they're all sick, and they've been abandoned to die been abandoned to die. And he said, will you please, is there anything you can do to go help them? And so this guy, Tom, he runs over there. He begins to just give his life to help these people. And he says, the story goes that he bathed each one of them and nursed each one of them to full health. And they had yellow fever. And everybody had left these people to die, but he went and he sacrificed for them. And he gave and the village then had trust in this guy. They then received him and said, okay, we'll, we'll allow you to come and continue to serve us now because you gave your life to, to help these people. But here's what he said, and this is what's so profound. He says, it's easy to be fearless when you've been vaccinated against a disease. It's easy to be fearless when you've been vaccinated against a disease. I mean, I think about COVID. By the way, this happened... <laughs> you know, years in the past, it didn't happen this past year. You could think it happened this past year, right? But it's amazing, like, and, and I just can't wait to continue to see, um, like, all the, the, the psychological experiments that come from COVID and come from how people were motivated by fear. But what's interesting is how people respond now that they've been vaccinated. The people that have a vaccine that decided to do that, um, they're like, all right, mask off, I'm, I'm done. I'm running in, I'm going, I'm back at Walmart, you know, I'm, I'm back doing my thing. And, uh, and, and the reality is, is that there's so much confidence, so much fearlessness now over this virus for those people that were vaccinated. And the crazy thing is, is, you know, you just, you continue to look at the news and like, is this thing evolving? Is it happening? You know, what all is going on? But the thing that I, I, I think that, that Tom really experienced um, is very true, is that it's easy to be fearless when you realize you've been vaccinated, when you realize the truth that Jesus has saved you, that he's got your eternity secured, it's easy to be fearless and to be full of hope, knowing that you have this eternal vaccine against sin, that you've been saved. And I believe that for many of us today, again, when we think about peace in our life, we think about what's written on so many tombstones, rest in peace, rip, right? You think about that, we think, okay, well, yeah, there's peace for me once I die. 
But what Jesus says is that there's peace that's accessible to you right now. And so we're left in the middle sitting here saying, but why am I not experiencing peace in my life? And that's what we're going to continue to talk about because as we get down here in verse 2, here's what he says. Open the gates to all who are righteous. Allow the faithful to enter. So here's the deal. To enter a kingdom, you got to have an invitation from the king. That's how you get in, okay? Our invitation is from Jesus. He says, come. Come. Our invitation into rest, same thing. Come, all who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. So we got to have an invitation from the king. But as we begin to think about this, the people that get to experience these strong walls of salvation are those that are known as righteous. The ironic thing here in this story is that there was no one righteous, no, not one. So it takes our dependency off of us and us forming this righteousness for ourselves, and us working ourselves into this place and then us taking our attention and beginning to look to Jesus. Because here's what Romans 5, 1 through 2 says. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. The enemy has done so much to try to block our minds from receiving the truth. Just like he did with Adam and Eve. He took something the Lord said and he began to twist it. That, that subtle shift has happened in so many of our minds right now that we're plagued by these different things, these different disorders, these different thought processes. And we've, we've got to this place where we begin to justify them. But here's what the king says. It's what Jesus says and what we know about him. Since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. There's two experiences of peace. The first is peace with God, and the other is the experience of the peace of God. What we see is that because of what Jesus did for us, we now have peace with God. So right now, receive this truth right now. Right now, if you have placed your trust in Jesus, if you say, listen, Jesus, you are my Lord, I want you to know this right now, that you have peace with God. You do. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to do anything else to prove it to him. You don't have to, you don't have to go and, and do all these little religious things that we do to try to please God and make God happy. And you also don't have to sit in this place and sit here and think, man, is God punishing me? Is God upset with me? Does God absolutely hate me? What we see is this. God disciplines those that he loves. He takes you through a process of learning to make you more like Jesus. That happens. But as far as you being at war with God or being at peace with him, you are at peace with God because of what Jesus has done for you. God dumped his wrath, all of his anger, all the bullets were fired at Jesus on the cross so that he could have a relationship with you. So right now, as far as your peace and your standing with God, the reason the gospel is so good, hear me, the reason the gospel is so good is because right now you have access to peace with God. But what about the peace of God? Because that is our experience right now, okay? Here's what it says. Verse number three. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. If you're like me, um, 
Oftentimes you read the Bible to look for something that you need to do, okay? Or you read the Bible and you feel like, okay, here's another thing I'm missing. Here's another thing I did wrong. Here's another thing I, like, you know, maybe that's the way you read the Bible. Read it from this perspective. If you believe in Jesus and you've trusted him as your Lord and Savior, first of all, read the Bible understanding that the whole thing is a love story of God to humanity. And in the midst of humanity's stupid mistakes, he is relentlessly pursuing them. Read it from the perspective that God loves you. He wants you to have peace. He wants you to experience his goodness. And he wants to give good gifts to his children, okay? As we begin to read the Bible from that perspective, as we begin to read this gift that Isaiah is giving these people, this encouragement he's giving these people, he says this, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. So let's break down this, this verse, okay? Let's go exegetical for a minute. Here's what it says. You will keep, all right? Now, what does it mean to keep something? The word here that's used for keep actually means to guard or protect. Understand this, that your peace is given to you through Jesus Christ. It's sustained by Jesus Christ. It all flows from Jesus, Okay, the only thing that we're supposed to do in order to get peace, our point of application is trust. So here's why. God will keep in perfect peace. God will protect your perfect peace. Now the word perfect peace is this word shalom. Anybody ever heard the word shalom before? Maybe you got a Jewish friend, you watched a Jewish movie. Um, I don't know. Like you went to the NASCAR race and they had a Jewish like rabbi pray before the, that's where I heard it the first time. Um, that was my good North Carolina upbringing, okay? So here's the deal, shalom, all right? Shalom is a word that goes far beyond the, the, the peace that we experience. Like, you know, if me and, uh, and Andrew were just not gonna fight anymore, okay? Like that's one kind of peace, but there's a state of mind. There's a state of being that involves our, 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 our mind, our heart, all of that that's at rest. That is the peace that this word shalom means. Funny story about shalom. Um, so so uh, another interaction with this word was um, I, I was a pastor in the Cayman Islands for a bit and um, there was this like, uh, I don't know, it was kind of like an, it was some national holiday there. And uh, I was the speaker for that. Um, like I did the opening um, thing for that and I had a prayer. So I go and I open up and I, you know, I open up the word. I share some scriptures, share a psalm, I pray. And at the end of it, this guy comes up to me and greets me as a Jewish rabbi. And I had this massive beard. Like, I don't know if y'all seen pictures, but I had a beard like down to here and I had hair that was like really long too. And so, um, so this dude just comes up to me and starts speaking all this Hebrew to me and all this stuff and shalom and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, and I just looked at him and I was like, bro, I'm a Christian pastor. Like, I, I don't really know what you mean. And it was like this really awkward moment. And, uh, but I was like, but here's the deal, but I'm, I'm good to go in peace. So like, we're cool, right? So here's the deal. All right, shalom means perfect Peace, perfect peace comes from this word shalom. Shalom's talking about our whole state of well-being, all right? What this means is that what sustains your well-being is the protection, these strong walls of salvation. That's what sustains them. All who trust in you. To trust means to place your confidence in. 
It's interesting, the early church prayed for boldness. They prayed for confidence. I think that's a great prayer for us to continue to ask is confidence. Keeping our faith again on God, understanding that God is the one that's sustaining this, not me. So God, he will protect your shalom, your state of well-being, all who place their confidence in God. Man, are you still confident in Jesus? Like, it's interesting. We get to this place in our life where we're like, I'm confident. I'll give you, I'll give you my life. Like, I want salvation. And I'm confident in Jesus for my eternity. But we forget the fact that we need to be confident with Jesus for our sickness, confident in Jesus for our mental health, confident in Jesus for our relationships, confident in Jesus and our work, Right? So let's finish this verse out. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts, again, your ideas, your concepts, all this stuff, your stream of consciousness are fixed on you. I read that and I think, okay, I gotta fix my thoughts on God then. So there's the solution. If I can just fix my mind on Jesus, I got this thing. I'm gonna be full of peace. And you know how it goes. You're in the midst of like this, this struggle. You're in the midst of uh, this, this anxious thing that you're feeling inside. And you begin to pray. And you begin to come. And, and you begin to, to get to this place where you're like, okay, God, I know I shouldn't be thinking this. I know I shouldn't be feeling this. But I still feel anxious right now. And I just prayed. And I just did the thing. I just did my checklist of things that should cure anxiety and I still got it. I just did the check, checklist of things that should, should help me process my anger and I went through all these things, but I'm still angry. And I just did the thing, but I still feel this. And let me just free you up right now. You are not responsible for generating your own peace. This is what he says here. He will keep God will do the keeping, God will do the maintaining, God will do the protecting of your peace, all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed. The word fixed here, it means to be sustained by. It means to lean on. In other words, I'm not gonna stand on my own two legs, but I'm gonna lean my weight into something else. I'm gonna be sustained by something else. And what this says is, is that our peace is actually sustained by God. So those of you that put your trust in Jesus, he will actually supply your peace. Let me use Romans to explain this a little bit further. Romans 8, five through nine says this. Those who were dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. Those who were who controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. Let me pause. That means us trying to build our kingdom, protect the kingdom, be Lord of our kingdom, that leads to all these downward spirals of anxiety and, 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 and fear and uh, just this whole just negative place, right? And we're like, this is not what I thought was gonna happen when I got here, right? All those things that feel like death are a product of our sinful nature. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. That is key. Letting the spirit control your mind leads to life, and it leads to peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. 
It never did obey God's laws and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. I'm gonna put in, in, in quotes here, Christian, okay? Parentheses, quotes, all that stuff, underline it, make it stand out. To the Christ follower, to the person that says, Jesus, you are my Lord, you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. So here's the fruit of the Spirit working itself out in you is that you begin to experience life and peace. And so to put this whole thing together, verse 4 is actually our point of application. Because what verse 4 says is trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. Trust in the Lord always. In every circumstance, in every place that you get to in your life, for every little thing that drives you insane, trust in the Lord. And here's three things that we're trusting very quickly. We're trusting, first of all, the walls of salvation to protect us. It's of utmost importance that we look around and we see that I'm not holding up this thing. This thing does not rely on me. Jesus has done the saving. He's built the wall. He's the king of the kingdom. And it's strong because of him, not because of me. So even when I'm weak, the kingdom doesn't fall. Even when I'm at my lowest and my worst, the kingdom still stands. So I'm going to, first of all, trust the walls of salvation. I'm going to trust what Jesus has done for me. That's why the gospel's so good. We didn't do any of it. He did all the work for us. Second thing I'm going to trust is the work of Jesus to accomplish peace with God for you. A lot of us are living our life in fear of God thinking that we have to generate our own peace when in reality, God has actually accomplished peace for you through Jesus Christ. Peace with God has been established for you. You don't need to be the peacemaker, Jesus is. Again, trust Jesus. It's so simple, man. It's the, it's the answer we heard in Sunday school if y'all were raised in church. Jesus is the answer to everything. But the reality is this. The more that we can learn to trust Jesus in all things in our life, the more we find freedom in all things in our life. The third thing is this. Trust the Holy Spirit to think for you. That's the most challenging part. Trust the Holy Spirit to do the thinking for you. You see, our relationship with Jesus is not supposed to be something that just takes care of the, of the final moments of our life going into eternity. It is something for us to experience right now, right here. The Holy Spirit was given to you as a sweet gift of grace. And we all have access to the Holy Spirit. But I don't believe a whole lot of us are, are actually tapping into the Holy Spirit and his power in our life. You see, number one, it's, it's very important that we desire the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus was teaching people how to pray, you know what he said? He uses this cool story about going to your friend and knocking on your friend's door and asking him for bread and all this mess. And at the end of that story, he gets to this place and he says, if you ask your father, he's going to give you the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is what changes everything. And so the, the key to you experiencing perfect peace in your life today 
is surrendering your mind and your heart to the Holy Spirit. That's where peace is found. That's what Paul explains in Romans. That's what we just read. When the Holy Spirit controls your mind, you know what it produces in you? Life and peace. If you don't have life and peace flowing out of you today, ask the Holy Spirit. He'll give it to you. Remember what Philippians said. Go begin to pray. and You're going to have peace that surpasses your understanding. Remember what I said? You don't get peace that surpasses understanding by you trying to think it up. If you want mind-blowing peace, it's going to have to come from something beyond your mind. Otherwise, we just blow our minds up, right? <laughs> if we want that kind of peace, we got to ask for it. And it's going to have to come from something far beyond. So the, thing th- the three things we're trusting, we're trusting this. The walls of salvation to protect you. We're trusting the work of Jesus to accomplish peace for you. And the third thing, we're trusting the Holy Spirit to do the thinking for you. Y'all, I, uh, I say these things, and I want you to know that um, there's been a season in my life where I've went through depression. A season in my life I went through extreme anger. I'm talking really, really bad anger, destroyed everything, okay? It's like a tornado, all right? Ripped apart my sister's swing set, angry, you know? Like, not of Jesus. There's a season in my life, uh, so, so the anger led to depression. When I was called to ministry, I went through one of the craziest depressions I've ever faced in my life. I was diagnosed with ADHD, and that was like the, oh, that's why you're so mad, you know. You just need to be more active, you know, that kind of thing. I got more active at breaking things, right? And so it, there, there was these things that I was trying to find in my life. I, I wasn't, and, and again, I've got access to this word, right? I'm a saved Christ follower, been a Christian at that point for almost 10 years, thinking about killing myself. Like just over it. And then I went through a season of anxiety in my life. I'm going to tell you when everything changed for me. This was probably 20 plus years after I first confessed Jesus as Lord. 20 plus years after I received peace with God. I was sitting there and I was praying. And I was just an hour into this prayer before the Lord. And it just hit me. I was like, God, I've, I've tried so hard to generate this peace in my, in my life. I've tried so hard to logically prove this peace and make it happen in my mind, and I can't do it. Father, will you just give me peace, that real peace that's beyond anything I can understand right now? I'm just telling you, I was in just a total moment of surrender and trust in the Lord, and I would just laid everything out. I'm gonna tell you what, for the first time, I experienced a freedom and a peace that came in just like a blanket, wrapped me up. It was the love of the Father. Danielle and I will go through seasons in our life where it's just like stressful and we're like, man, I don't know what to do next. I don't know what's next in our life. And we'll just get kind of worked up. And we'll sit there before the king and just say, Father, Father, right now, we just, we just surrender our mind to you. Just let your spirit come and give us something we can't give ourselves. You see, that's the beauty of salvation. You're never meant to generate it for yourself. But you know the ultimate thing that Jesus came to actually accomplish for you? It's peace. 
It's the one thing the world can't ever have. We can try so hard for it, but that's what the world wants. That's what every religion wants is peace. The only way you're gonna truly find peace is to simply surrender yourself to Jesus. We love to build these kingdoms. Maybe one of the massive things we gotta surrender tonight is this kingdom. Just surrender lordship of our kingdom that we're trying to build and say, God, I want your kingdom. I want your strong walls. Yeah, I want, I want you like this beautiful Jesus that takes care of the birds and the flowers to take care of me. I'm tired of pulling the plow. God, I wanna be yoked with you. I want your, I want that easy light burden that is life with Jesus. Maybe you've been walking with Jesus for a moment, but you're like, man, my life doesn't really look like life and peace right now. I'm gonna invite you to do something tonight. Jesus says he will give the Holy Spirit to you that ask. Here's the great encouragement that he says in John chapter 14, verse 27. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Don't be troubled or afraid. Jesus gives peace. You know that if you ask Jesus right now for the Holy Spirit to take control of your mind, he will. If you ask him to give you peace, he will. He's a good father. He loves to give the good gifts. He loves to give the Holy Spirit. So tonight, I wanna end with this time. There's a song um, about the peace of God that will really help you reflect. Tonight, if, if you get to the point of singing the song, amazing. But I really want you just to sit there before the king tonight. And maybe for the first time in your life, say, Jesus, man, I, I get the fact that I got peace with God, but I want the peace of God. One of my favorite teachers says this, Warren Wiersbe. He says, peace with God means that our sins are forgiven and we have right standing before God. We are members of God's family and will be for eternity. But the peace of God is the quiet confidence we have that God is in control and we have nothing to fear. Peace with God means we are saved the peace of God means we are safe. So tonight, you can have the peace of God and it never has to leave. You can have this aspect of vacation for eternity. You have access to it right now. That's the biggest thing is just realizing that you actually have access to peace. You don't have to generate it. You don't have to make it. You just gotta receive it. All good things that come from God are meant to be received. You don't have to achieve any of it. It's the beauty of grace. So tonight, I invite you to pray. And we're gonna spend time praying down here. But I invite you to surrender your mind and your heart to Jesus. It's cool to ask God for the Holy Spirit. Ask him to fill you in a special way beyond what you ever know. Ask for his stream of consciousness. Ask for the thoughts of God to flood your mind. And if you wanna go farther with this, the enemy's lies like to block out the truth. Some of you tonight, you received the truth. Others, other, others of you, um, the enemy's also good at building walls. Jesus is stronger, he'll tear those down. So if you wanna go before the Father tonight, you might ask this, you might say, Holy Spirit, would you come right now and would you show me the lies that I believed? Would you show me the lies I believed and will you, will you show me the truth, the greater truth in that? And you know what? Since the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth, he'll do that. He'll bring out the flashlight, shine it right on him. He'll expose those lies if you wanna get rid of them. 
He'll do it for you. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna have a time of, of prayer and of singing. We're gonna ask the Holy Spirit to come and give us peace. Ask him to, to fall on you like a blanket tonight. He wants to give you peace. That's why Jesus came. That's why he died for you. Father, we thank you for your perfect peace. This surpasses all understanding that guards our hearts and our minds. God, build up around us, Lord, these walls of salvation. God, help us to be aware of your wall of salvation that protects us. God, help us to be aware, Lord, that you don't want us to be depressed. You don't want us to be anxious. It's not your hope. It's not your desire for us, for our minds to be plagued by the enemy. So God, would you renew our hearts and our minds tonight according to your truth as we present ourselves as a living sacrifice like Romans 12 talks about. Father, we come and we say thank you tonight. We ask for your Holy Spirit to fall in this place tonight. God, may people be delivered from all these emotions tonight. May, may people be delivered from anxiety, from anger, from depression. By the power of your Holy Spirit, would you bring peace tonight, God? Bring peace like you brought to me, like you allowed me to experience, like you allowed me to walk in. Father, stir truth in our souls tonight. We thank you for your love. We thank you for friends to do this with. In the name of Jesus, we pray all things. Amen.